Hello, everybody. It is Friday, October 20th, and we're coming to you here again from the Missouri Funeral Directors and the Bombers Association in Jefferson City with our weekly update on everything. First off is it's getting close to Halloween, October 31st, and that means it's pre-need time again. October 31st is the deadline for providers and sellers to get in their annual license renewals. So make sure you do that and please try to get it in a little bit early. What you don't want to have is any kind of gap period where because you didn't get your filings in early enough and it takes them too long to process that there's a period of time where they might say, the state board might say, you weren't licensed, that you didn't have um, a license to do pre-need provider or seller stuff. So you need to... Uh, Make sure you get that in as soon as you can. I have the Missouri Funeral Trust one. I don't know if you can see it right here. It's a big, thick one. That's our annual report as well. Because in addition to, remember, if you're a pre-need seller, in addition to getting in your annual license renewal, you need to do a pre-need seller's report. I'm sure all of you have, have dealt with that in the past. I know it's not easy. I know it can be very difficult. Uh, but that also has to be in no later than October 31st. Like I always say, Halloween's the deadline. The day after Halloween's a day too late, but you want to try to get it in early. I'm taking this one in today so that they'll have uh, in plenty of time. Okay. So, um, and also, of course, along with your uh, actual application, you need to have your renewal fees. Uh, to get your uh, license renewed. And if you're a pre-need seller, you need to have the audit fee, what we call the audit fee, the $25 per contract audit fee, along with your annual report. So if you sold a thousand pre-need contracts uh, this past year, now you need to check for $25,000. That's that's what the requirement is. So, uh, and again, of course, that $25 fee is allowed to be passed on to the purchaser as part of the pre-need contract. And I'm sure that's what most people do. So you make want to make sure that check is along with that. Something else for those of you who are Missouri Funeral Trust providers or Missouri Pre-Need Trust providers, please do not list the Missouri Funeral Trust or Missouri Pre-Need Trust contracts on your funeral home seller report. Uh, if you are a seller, but you also use the Missouri Funeral Trust or the Missouri Pre-Need Trust, okay, those are reported on our filings. So if you report a Missouri Funeral Trust contract on your funeral home seller report, it's also going to show up on the Missouri uh, funeral trust report and that causes problems because it's in the computer system at the state it's in there twice they haven't they have it in there twice and you don't want to do that it just causes great confusion so please uh double check and make sure you're not listing contracts where your funeral home is not actually the seller Okay, on to a couple things that have popped up again this past week. We're going to revisit some stuff we've talked about before briefly today because, boy, goodness, that has sure popped up. And again, it has to do with the next of kin list, uh, who's in charge of what and when. This one is a very unusual one in most cases, but by golly, we've had several of them this week. Now, remember, under the statutes, 
the order of priority is number one on the list is somebody who's listed in a durable power of attorney that specifically grants the power to handle the final disposition. That's number one on the list. Number two on the list is a surviving spouse. Of course, as with the new law that was recently passed, uh, if there's a divorce decree filed, that surviving spouse is no longer in the list if there's a pending divorce action. But in most cases, the surviving spouse then is the one who would uh, have the right to handle the final disposition. After that is children. Children are next. Children of the deceased are higher in priority than the parents of the deceased. Now, if the children are adults, that's usually not a problem. But the situation we've run into several times the past couple weeks are the deceased had a minor child. And if you remember, we've talked about this before, when the deceased has a minor child, there's a special rule for that. The minor child, somebody under 18, they're not eliminated from the next of kin list. They're just like a child, a regular adult child. The difference, however, is that the minor child's rights the right to handle the final disposition is governed, is controlled by whoever has guardianship of that child. The child's guardian is the one who controls the child's rights to handle the final disposition for that child's parent. Okay. And that's what's happened in a couple times this week. There was disputes between, you had a, a, a man about 20 something years old, both their parent, both of his parents were alive. Uh, he died. He did not have a spouse, but he did have a young child. And in both, all of these instances that popped up, the person who was number the highest person on the list was that child. And that child's rights are controlled by the guardian of that child. Unless there's always an unless, isn't there? Unless the guardian of that child was divorced from the deceased. So if the, in these cases, that didn't happen. In these cases, the deceased was never married uh, to anyone ever, had never been married. And so the mother of the child of the deceased controlled the final disposition of this deceased young man. All right. Now, if the mother had been married to the deceased and they had gotten a divorce at some point in time, then, interestingly enough, the young child is cut out of the loop. They lose their rights, assuming that the mother is the guardian, which, of course, it would be in most cases. So that's an interesting quirk there. Whenever you run into uh, some people think that if the child's a minor, you don't have to worry about it. But yes, you may have to. So make sure you don't move forward unless you understand the situation completely. The other thing that's popped up a couple times this week is something I know I've talked about before. You. Everyone hears me harp about the next of kin list and that in Missouri, next of kin always win. That if you are the next of kin, however you became the next of kin, if you are the next of kin, you have the right to control the final disposition of that deceased, assuming, of course, you're willing to take financial responsibility for uh, the final disposition that you want. The next of kin rules, however, apply to who gets to decide what the final disposition is? And when we're dealing with cremation, the act of cremation is the final disposition. So once cremation takes place, final disposition is over. 
So that next of kin statute doesn't apply anymore because the next of kin statute that we always talk about in, in the statutes all says these are the people in order of priority who can determine the final disposition of the deceased. Well, once cremation happens, final disposition is over. And so the question is, who gets the cremated remains? And there's a separate statute on who gets the cremated remains. And here's what that statute says. Whenever a funeral director, a funeral home, whenever you have the possession of cremated remains, here's what you do with them. Number one, you follow the terms of the cremation contract. So if the cremation contract says you give the cremated remains to Aunt Smith, you give the cremated remains to Aunt Smithy uh, or Uncle Joe. If the cremation contract says they're to be scattered at the funeral home's memorial garden or that they're to be interred in a certain columbarium, then that's what you do. You follow the terms of the cremation contract, which then begs the question, what is the cremation contract? The cremation contract is that document where someone has taken financial responsibility for the cremation. The person who said, I am the one who's going to pay the bill. Now, the best practice whenever possible is to have that person also be the next of kin so that you have the same person who says it's okay to cremate and that same person says, I'm the one taking financial responsibility for the cremation. Then you don't have any problems usually. You don't have a dispute. But sometimes it turns out that those are two different people. You had somebody authorize the cremation, but somebody else signed the contract for cremation. Now you have a potential problem. The statute says the person who contracted for the cremation controls. And very importantly, it does not matter who actually pays the bill. Somebody might come in and generously pay the bill for somebody else. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who actually pays the bill. It's the person who obligated themselves to pay the bill. The person who said, I will pay the bill. So that's why you need to make sure that both your cremation authorizations, the piece of paper that says it's okay to cremate dad, and the cremation contract that says, I'm the one that's going to pay for the dad's cremation. You need to make sure that those make it clear to everyone who is in charge. Who gets to control both the cremation, the, the decision to cremate and who will be getting the cremated remains after the cremation is over? Because once cremation is over, we have a statute that says this is what the funeral home must do. So you don't have a whole lot of choice after cremation takes place. You've got to follow these statutes. So you want to make sure that everybody involved knows what those statutes say, knows that is, is alerted to the fact that the person who contracts for the cremation is the one who is either going to control in the contract who gets the cremated remains. And that's the second thing the statute says. The statute says, number one, you follow the terms of the cremation contract. If the cremation contract is silent, you either give the cremated remains to the person who contracted for the cremation or you dispose of them as directed by the person who contracted for the cremation. So the person who contracted for the cremation controls one way or the other those cremated remains. And that's fine so long as everybody knew that before they signed on the dotted line. So your cremation documents need to be very clear about that. Of course, if you are a 
member of the Missouri Funeral Directors Association. If your funeral home is a firm member of the association, you have access to our legal database. And that means that you can get a hold of both my cremation authorization and uh, the cremation contract that we worked on jointly. It was both myself and the attorney for the National Funeral Directors Association. We worked on this together. And that way we made sure we covered all the aspects that affect this nationally, as well as in the state of Missouri. So they're really good documents, in my opinion. And both of those make it very clear right at the very top. Big, bold face disclaimer that explains whoever contracts for the cremation is the one who will wind up one way or the other controlling the cremated remains. And if your documents don't have that on it, you might want to look at them. Uh, because they may not be good enough. Well, that's all we have for today. Just a real brief reminder to get those preening uh, filings in, both the, your renewal of your license for preening provider, your renewal of your license for preening seller, and your annuals seller's report. That is all due uh, by or on or before October 31st. For you preening agents out there, your preening agent registration is due November 30th. The reason for that is you can't be an agent unless there's somebody that you're an agent for. Okay, that's how it works. An agent is an agent for someone. And a preneed agent is an agent for a seller. And that means they can't renew the preneed agent registrations until they know that the seller has been renewed. So that's why it's one month later. So Preneed agents, you've got another extra month to get your uh, registration renewal in. And you can do that all online. Uh, you should have gotten a little reminder card, a little card from the state uh, board that gives you a little uh, pin number on there. It's a little code number on there that you plug in. I've done it uh, many times. It's very easy to do. Uh, I can tell you that the, uh, the system they have for renewal of your individual licenses is so much better than they used to have. Being able to get online and do that is nice and easy, and it means that there's almost no excuse for not getting it done on time unless something very strange has happened to you in your life. But for most people, there's no excuse not getting your stuff in in plenty of time because the state board has made it very easy to do. So that's all we have for right now. Hope you get those uh, registrations and those renewals and those reports in all on time. Once again, if you're a Missouri Funeral Trust or a Missouri Pre-Need Trust provider, don't put those on your annual seller's report. Those goes on ours and just causes everybody a headache if you do that. So watch your paperwork, check it all out, get it in on time, and as always, stay safe.